Hello, everybody, uh, on Facebook as well as Apple Podcast, anywhere you're listening to me on podcast as well as Instagram. I'm excited today because we are going to be talking about freedom. It is an episode that I've been really excited about, and this is a continuation to the episodes that I was um, diving into when it came to who is a matrix breaker. And I established there are principles that define who a matrix breaker is. And so what I'm going to do now is break down the number one principle of a matrix breaker, which is freedom. Now, I have a statement I'm going to read prior to getting really rolled out here. But I want to just say that putting it simply, if you identify that there's a matrix in your life anywhere, then you're probably more inclined to want to break out of it uh, and become free. So that's the idea here. Obviously, uh, like we've said, in terms of the freedom aspect is that some people prefer victimhood. Some people prefer to live in comfort and not have that ability to break free. Uh, that's the whole idea here when it comes to the name Matrix Breakers. So without further ado, I will read this statement that I have so far. Every matrix breaker has to value freedom from the matrix, not only for himself or herself, but also for everyone. Once you know the absolute truth about something, how does that make you feel? Do you feel empowered to share with others or afraid of people's opinions? Realize this now. The truth in every facet of life is under attack. There is a war for your mind, body, and spirit that is raging right now. This is the essence of the matrix. If you don't feel the threat, then you're in the matrix. What the enemy cannot destroy, it distracts. Satan is known in the Bible as the great deceiver for that reason. Are you being deceived to believe everything you think is true? Are you comfortable with the things you think you know. Is that causing you to feel lazy and unwilling to engage the enemy? Or are you passionate to discover the truth? Are you on fire with life energy to share with others? Do you disregard other people's opinions easily? The answers to these vital questions can give you a proper assessment to indicate your level of freedom. Freedom is having the ability to be, say, think, and do what you want. More than that, it is the ability to be, say, think, and do the right thing according to the truth. Freedom is the antithesis to the matrix. Freedom lovers believe in humanity, contrary to tyrants who believe humans will always lead to their own destruction without their systems of control. Freedom lovers understand that when people are given freedom more often than not, they find a way to live an empowering life, not a destructive one. To outline the concept of freedom, we are going to review how our nation of the United States was founded. 
the entirety and complexity that was involved during that time period leading up to the Constitutional Convention, Revolution, and Establishment of the United States is lengthy without a doubt. So we were only going to go over some key elements in this incredible story. It's sad to know that only 23% of Americans can pass the immigration test to become a United States citizen according to a recent poll. Our true history being shielded from us or misinterpreted is a major aspect in the matrix of freedom. Now, there is a saying that goes, you may not be interested in government, but government is interested in you. To understand our freedoms politically ensures matrix breakers that when the matrix attacks these freedoms, we are armed with the truth. So without further ado, I will be reviewing this book here, Leadership and Liberty, okay? Uh, for those on the Facebook or Instagram can see, but for those of you on the podcast, it is a book by Orrin Woodward and a man named Chris Brady, two authors. Uh, it is an incredible book, and I'm just going to be referring to it and reading from it, and we're going to go over some analysis with this book. Now, the first part of freedom is going to come from our founding father, Benjamin Franklin. Now, in this famous saying, which starts the chapter of this, of this part, Benjamin Franklin is quoted as saying, a republic if you can keep it. Now, uh, I'm going to be reading some of the highlighted versions, so it's going to sound a little bit choppy. But if you're interested in reading this entire book, then you can just look it up. Leadership and Liberty, again, like I said, by Chris Brady and Oren Woodward. Benjamin Franklin was emerging from the final session of the Constitutional Convention, at which time a woman had asked him a question. What sort of government do we have, doctor? To which he famously answered, a republic if you can keep it. The United States of America is not a democracy. This is where it is so dangerous that we do not know our history nor understand our government. The United States of America is most certainly not a democracy. And if it ever becomes one, as it has been trending towards for seven decades, it will correspondingly cease to be free. Instead of the United States is a republic. I'm going to say that one more time. Instead, the United States is a republic. This is a vastly different thing from a democracy. And the distinction is extremely important. Now, the note there is this isn't Republican versus Democrat. This is just talking about how a republic is very different from a democracy. And we're going to go more in depth in that. The founders of our country were terrified of democratic rule. A situation in which the masses or majority of men vote for whatever they like in direct assault on the minorities. Protecting minority interests and the rights of the individual was the bedrock upon which the Constitution was founded. The great concern was how to allow a people to be free, how to construct a government of the people, for the people, by the people, without allowing the passions that grip a people to take over. Now, what does he mean by that? 
a lot of um, redistributed uh, redistributionists, communists, Marxists, what they believe is uh, in my beginning statement, which is that people are inherently going to destroy themselves. People are dumb. People have low IQs. People are not going to be able to control themselves. If we don't control them, then they are going to, you know, have an anarchy. And we need to implement our level of control because we know what's best. We know what's best for the environment. We know what's best for our foreign affairs. You know, and we know what's best for local communities. We know what's best for what's food and what's not. We know what's best for what's healthy, what's not, what's going to be in healthcare. This is Marxism. This is communism. This is tyrannical control, which the book continues to go on to. But the point is that nobody wants that. When you really look at it, guys, from a historical perspective, nobody wants a tyrannical rule. But these people, they believe that if you were just under their control and they, you know, censored things and they controlled what you did and what you didn't do, the world would be a better place. But what the uh, founders of our country, they came to this conclusion, this, this, this epiphany, which was, you know, if we just give people full-on freedoms, we give individual rights, you know, it's a little shaky because it's never been done before, but what if we decided to give people these rights? What if we decided to preserve these principles, these principles of freedom and individual liberty? Would society survive? Would a civilization survive? And that's why we established a republic, a constitutional republic in this country. Now, one key thing to distinguish here is something called the rule of law. The rule of law is the concept that there are basic freedoms and rights any individual has claimed to. And no matter what the desires of the majority or masses, quote unquote, those individual rights must always be protected. These restrictions so clearly outlined in those documents are also meant to bind government from trampling on the rights of the people while distributing power across many leaders and branches of government. This concept has worked and the government of the United States is the oldest government on the planet as a result. Understand what was just said. So yeah, these founding fathers, you know, you can call them ancient, you can call them old, you can call it old school, you can call... But when you read the Bill of Rights, you understand that those rights are timeless. Principles are timeless. Values can change. Understand this. If a majority were white men, they could vote to suppress the uh, minority, which was anything other than white. For whatever reason, that, 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 uh, that's a storm right there. That, that's crazy that you would agree. Every, every communist would say, oh yeah, that's horrible. But equally, if people were a political ideology, if people established with a religious uh, affiliation, if people thought of a cultish member or a cult that said, you know, everyone should eat Reese's peanut butter cups every day, they got in control and they were the masses, 
It doesn't matter what, that, that's a value system. Those are different values that those people are having and they can vote to literally execute the other half. Does that make sense? They, the 51% could vote to change the law, to, to, to change everything about the way the law works in order to game the system against the individual rights of another person based on an affiliation they might have, based on a political ideology they might have, based on a religion they might follow. Do you understand that? That's why democracy is a uh, death to a republic. It is the death to a constitutional republic at that. And that is why um, the United States is, in fact, the oldest country that has ever lived. Even um, the Roman times cannot compare, uh, which we'll get into as well. So just because a majority of people want something is no indication that it is the right thing to do. This is very key. What we see in today's society is a, a matrix that is pulled over your eyes to literally cause people to have psychosis when they're looking at the world and their worldview. They, uh, being yourself or anybody, if you listen to information that is false and you adopt it as your own doctrine and then you vote according to that or you make decisions according to that for your family you move cities or states according to that you see that information is key what if that information was wrong what if information provided to the people of the masses quote-unquote was incorrect what if the information was actually a matrix we're gonna go over mainstream media and mainstream ideology another time but what if it was incorrect what if it was false? Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm getting at? I'm not saying it is. I'm saying what if mainstream ideology, mainstream line of thinking, which I would consider the matrix, what if it was false? What if you didn't have to take prescription meds for the rest of your life and you can get healthier, you could do something different? Mainstream would not allow you to know that. So I'm just getting you that clarity right now is the democracy should never rule. A majority should never rule over the minority. So again, if you read the Bill of Rights, you're understanding individual rights. These are freedoms, right? The freedom for property, the Second Amendment for protection, you know, the freedom of speech to be able to share any religion that you want. Uh, that is a freedom. Those are individual rights. Okay, we're going to get into that more and more. So Perhaps, now this is going back into, uh, you know, the Benjamin Franklin statement. Franklin's words um, were, were so precedent in that day. Why is that, okay? If you can keep it. After telling this woman it was a republic, perhaps the old, or let's put it this way, perhaps the wise old statesman knew a thing or two about human nature after all his years as a diplomat negotiator, and legislator. Perhaps he knew that the temptation would be great for a people to take over their own government and undermine its laws of protection for the individual in the name of interest for selfish interests. Think about that. If you adopted an ideology that you believed that Reese's Peanut Butter Cups was the food of choice for all humans to, to for the health and vitality of everyone and you decided that reese's peanut butter cups you got on a huge you know political wagon and said hey reese's peanut butter cups you know this sounds insane but honestly you know what this is not crazy this is what democracy can can uh can bring you 
If someone decided that Reese's peanut butter cups was the ideal food for all people to mandatory, they have to eat it every single day. Uh, you know what? Then you have a whole you know vote on it, and you get the majority, the masses, the fifty-one percent. You get fifty-one percent of people to think Reese's peanut butter cups are actually a, something you should eat every single day, and it's mandatory, government mandated. And you get people to vote on that. That's how idiotic that is, right? That sounds so stupid, but you know what? That is why you have individual rights that nobody can take away from you. If you are blessed enough to be a United States citizen. You have these individual rights just because you don't like somebody, just because you think they're in the matrix, or if you are in the matrix and you think that a matrix breaker is uh, breaking the mold of, 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 of a mainstream ideology, that does not give you the right to vote, the right to censor, the right to tear down, the right to destroy, the right to kill somebody based on what they believe, what they say, because they're guarded. That's what these founding fathers did. And people, again, 23% of Americans could not pass the immigration tests that immigrants have to pass in order to come here. And that's legally, by the way, that's becoming a citizen. They have to actually know a thing or two about our history. Why is that? Because when you adopt uh, the U.S. citizenship, consciously, you have to uh, you have to really uh, uh, you have to align with those principles that America has established in the Constitution. So, anywho, we're going to go on and uh, go from what, what we call the mass man. Uh, and this was written by in the 1930s by a Spanish philosopher, all right, Jose Ortega. Okay, it's called The Revolt of the Masses. And so he defines something called the mass man. And I'm going to read a quote from this book or this uh, statement. Previously, even for the rich and powerful, the world was a place of poverty, difficulty, and danger. However, rich an individual might be in relation to his fellows, as the world in its totality was poor, the sphere of conveniences and commodities with which his wealth furnished him was very limited. He's talking about the past. He's talking about the past. Think about the past before the 1930s. The life of the average man today, the average man, is easier, more convenient, and safer than that of the most powerful of another age. Very key. What is he bringing up? Look at us today in 2019. The conveniences of the internet, Netflix, a roof over our heads, cheap rent. I mean, honestly, compared to other... other uh, uh, third world countries who can't afford things like this. Guys, if you are living in the United States and you're able to pay rent, pay bills and get by, welcome to paradise. You know what I mean? So what this guy is saying is like, hey man, you already have all the things right now in your in your dwelling, wherever you are, whether it's a, a crappy $500 a month apartment or whatever have you, or a dorm you're sharing with somebody, or a small home. You know what? You have more than the richest, most wealthy person of the a uh, uh, hundred years ago, do you understand what I'm saying? See, cat, and this is going to capitalism thing, but capitalism is a rising tide that lifts all boats because innovation competing with one another is trying to give the common man the best product at the best price because that's how you uh, contain revenue pools. So we'll talk about capitalism another time. Um, the common man finding himself in a world so excellent technically and socially believes. 
that it has been tr produced by nature and never thinks of the personal efforts of highly endowed individuals which the creation of this new world presupposed. Still, less will he admit the notion that all these facilities still require the support of certain difficult human virtues, the least failure of which would cause the rapid disappearance of the whole magnificence or magnificent edifice. Free expansion of these vital desires, his radical ingratitude towards all that has made the ease of his existence, the impression that everything is permitted to him and that has no obligation, these spoiled masses are unintelligent enough to believe that the material and social organization placed at their disposition like the air is of the same origin, since apparently it never fails them, has caused the masses benefited thereby to consider it not as an organized but as a natural system that's a that's a mouthful all right but what is he talking about he is basically saying that you are so um asleep you are so much into the matrix right now that you're not understanding the beauty of what you already have the beauty of the freedoms that we already maintain that you uh, as a mass man as an average person for whatever reason these are socialists they believe that this is a part of nature you ever you've ever heard of the um the concept of a uh, a livable wage um you've heard of uh how, how do they put it nowadays it's kind of like free undisclosed income that you can just receive from the government that socialism is going to bring this you know uh, utopianism oh my gosh why why should i uh have why should i have to make money to you know buy food and and pay for rent i should have home housing and health care and and those are just you know um those are uh, a part of our individual liberties our individual rights well it is a part of your individual liberty it's not an individual right that that you are provided a home or you're provided a sh you know shelter and home healthcare that's not a, that's not an individual right that's an individual um liberty for you to go and and have those things and so what he's referring to here is that people believe that it is natural to just give everybody the same equal livable wage the same equal establishment of a, where, what the condition of what they live that everyone should be equal and so that's not what it is everyone should be equal to opportunity but not everyone should be, get the same exact things provided to you by the government Okay, that's not important. That's not the key. And so what he's saying is as you become so um, emancipated into this mindset of, oh, you know, everything should just come naturally. Everything should just be provided for. You know, that is not the key thing to, to, to your freedoms. The key thing to your freedom is understanding that is your right to have the things that you have. But you know what? If you don't pay your bills, if you, if you neglect these things, then it's very easily taken away from you. But again, that is because of your own neglect, okay? So thus it is explained and defined the absurd state of mind revealed by these masses. They are only concerned with their own well-being and at the same time, they remain alien to the cause of that well-being. They imagine their role is limited to demanding these benefits um, 
prematurely as if they were natural rights. Do you see? I almost predicted what he was going to say. I, I did read this before, but again, it's just you, you, you're, you're imagining that this is a natural right, you know, that you deserve a home over your head that you shouldn't have to pay rent. You shouldn't have to have, but again, that is referring back to this concept that you, everyone should be equal. No one should have a mansion and no one should be, you know, homeless. So then everyone should just have the same exact cookie cutter home and it's provided to you, uh, given by the state, the whole nine. Very, very dangerous. Now, what is, uh, this guy, um, um, referring to in that is the common man. And let's, let's read on here. Okay, talking about Benjamin Franklin again. This is the man, and he's referring to the common man. This is the man of whom Dr. Franklin warned us. Then and this is the man gaining control in the politics of America today. He eats his food. Oh, okay, so this is referring to the common man. He eats his food, drinks his water, drives on the roads and consumes everything and anything he wants without ever considering the vast structure of the rule of law and the sacrifices of others necessary to set him up so nicely. He does not read. He does not study nor even attempt to understand his history, nor consider the fount of his blessings and votes accordingly placing his vote behind whomever promises to deliver him the most. And in this way, duplicated over millions of such mass men, quote unquote, a republic slips towards democracy and the desolation that always follows. Now, a very, very key thing here. He, This guy, uh, the author, has pretty much just quantified what I was just saying to you which was uh, this idea that the mass man believes that it is of natural right to have all these things just gifted to them and they don't have to work for it. And they just, you know, work to have the luxuries of, you know, oh, I want to buy a little bit of a movie ticket here or do something with my life there. That's not what the government is here for. So I'm going to reread this one more time because I can end the, I can end this podcast just off of what this man says right now. Okay. He, referring to the common man, the person in the matrix, you all know who I'm talking about. He does not read. He does not study. Nor even attempt to understand his history. Nor consider the fount of his blessings. And he votes accordingly. Very, very powerful, okay? If you spent more of your time reading and studying about your freedoms, about history, where would your life be today? Oh, wait, let me reword that. If instead of spending your time watching Netflix, how much you know, uh, it, how much you know. I know you guys are out there. Hey man, you guys are my bros, but the amount you know about your favorite NBA and NFL team is is it's embarrassing. Honestly. I I know a thing or two about some sports and and some sports figures and sports history, but it's it's 
it's frankly embarrassing that men know more about sports than your own history, than, you know, real relevant topics. Okay, it's just embarrassing, frankly. Women, for those of you, you know, if, if, you, if you didn't spend enough of that same time watching Kim Kardashian or reality TV, um, anything that's going on in the, in the mainstream uh, matrix these days, you know, you could take that time and invest it in learning about our history. And if you're listening this far into the podcast, I'm blown away. You are a matrix breaker. This is the essence of being a matrix breaker. It's having the willingness to learn about your freedoms. It's having the willingness to learn how to break the matrix. To uh, It's really learning how to accomplish great things in life. You, by listening to this podcast, are actually learning uh, history and you're learning uh, what is so important in the reality of where we live and how we exist. You could be Spending, you could watch a funny YouTube video right now. You could be listening to your favorite comedian right now. You could be listening to your favorite song that you've heard over and over again. But instead, for whatever reason, you're listening to this podcast. So again, that's just, it's it's incredible. I love it and I'm happy to be here for you. So again, I'm on page 39 in this book now, Foundations of Freedom, part one. Okay, I'm gonna take the time to see if we've got anything here on Facebook. Okay, great. So I'm excited that you guys are here. Awesome. All right. Foundations of freedom. <sighs> to begin the discussion, I want to borrow an excellent graphic from W. Cleon Skousen, the founder of the National Center for Constitutional Studies. I actually listened to uh, his nephew, uh, Cleon Skousen's nephew, Joel Skousen. Uh, he has got a, um, a website. He's got news and information. He covers great topics uh, and he has got some amazing things to share. So if you're ever interested in listening to Joel Skousen, you should look him up uh, and uh, I can uh, give you more information if you want to hit me up as well on that. At the extreme left, this is, uh, I'm going to refer to a graphic that's here. If you're listening to the podcast, I guess you just have to imagine there is um, two arrows that are pointing in opposite directions. It almost looks like the arrows are pulling each other towards one way and another, complete opposite of each other. That's the graphic. For those of you on Instagram and Facebook, I'm going to show you this graphic here. Okay. Uh, that's the graphic we're looking at. And I will explain to you the arrows, okay, the graphics. At the extreme left end of the scale is 100% tyranny and what is called ruler's law. At the extreme right end of the scale is 100% anarchy and is called no law. According to Skousen, somewhere in the middle is the sweet spot and is called people's law. So you're going to hear more and more about people's law. That is where the Republic of the United States comes from, the Constitution. Okay. It is this people's law that the founders of the United States enshrined in the Constitution to defend the people from oppressive government while at the same time protecting them from each other. Keywords, oppressive government and protecting them from each other. Communism and fascism, although sometimes confused as being extremes from opposite ends, 
one at the extreme left and the other on the extreme right, are actually different names for the same thing, tyranny. Now, you can politically say what you want about the, t uh, the current political state and the political climate, but the truth of the matter is fascism and communism are the same side on the scale. They are tyrannical, okay? They both involve police state control of people's lives. Look at Hitler's fascism. That was not nationalism. That was fascism, police state control. Dictators, Marxists, redistributionists, and Islamic theocracies all live at this extreme end of the spectrum, complete control. Ultimately, the ruler's law. Extreme involves control of the people by force of the benefit of the state. So again, on one side of the spectrum, you have the ruler's law, which basically means whoever rules makes the law. Anarchy and chaos live at the other extreme, where there is no law whatsoever. While this may at first seem to be the purest form of freedom, it takes only a little consideration to see that when everyone is free to behave entirely as they like, nobody is free. This is because, this is key, everyone's freedoms infringe upon each other. So in an anarchist state, you're going to have, you know, people base their freedoms, base their rights and their individual liberties that overshadow one another. So imagine if there's somebody who's racist or somebody who is sexist or, you know, these real things is being out of proportion nowadays. But imagine if you truly had somebody who was, you know, really segregated and it doesn't matter how they're segregated or trying to create the, uh, the lack, the lack thereof of diversity, you know, imagine if, you know, they said, Hey, well, uh, you know, only, um, Hispanics are welcome here. So, you know, if you're African-American or white or Asian, you're not allowed. And, and so it's kind of just like awkward, right? So that's too much freedom. That's freedoms that are infringing on each other. So that's why you have to have established some rule of law. And that why that's so key as to why the founding fathers established the constitution and the bill of rights. And if you haven't read the constitution, by the way, I you know, highly recommend, right? Especially if you're a United States citizen. Continuing to read, to officially establish a government in the middle of the two extremes, the founders of the United States drew upon the writings and philosophies of a great many minds. Interestingly, given the very sim similar style of classical education most of the founders received, the founders had similar backgrounds in classical literature. Wow, so that's key, right? So the founders all had the same sense of, you know, reading and studying and, you know, they could debate and actually have real conversations of, hey, how do we get the most free? How do we get the best government? How do we not infringe on other people's freedoms? But how do we also never allow a government to have a tyrannical system over us? How do we get in the middle? And it's a very difficult question, but I want you to understand something. They were reading and having the same quote-unquote classical education, and they were both reading from similar classical literature. What is that referring to? That is referring to essentially the idea that these founding fathers gathered up and actually had discussions 
based on research they've already done. And so if you look at today's day and age, if we, all of us, spent enough time reading incredible literature and history and uh, and just so many of the great uh, minds out there, we study them, we could all have better, more influential conversations. So that's kind of why I made this podcast. It's so that we can dive into this research and this information about a wide range of topics that is essentially breaking the matrix, right? That's the idea here, right? So again, uh, continuing to read, um, this this produced, uh, talking about the founding fathers, this produced a collective knowledge that facilitated extremely well-informed debate and ultimately resulted in the most incredible and unique creation of a government by the people, for the people, the world had ever seen. Now, the basis for people's law can be traced back to the original Anglo-Saxons, which began occupying the island of England somewhere around 450 AD, who in turn based many of their ideas upon ancient Israel before the monarchy. This concept became known later as English common law, called common because it was assumed that it was commonly understood by all to be true and commonly distributed to all. This is this is key, right? Because obviously they called it common law because it's like it's common sense, man. You know, you can't just go and kill your neighbor. Everyone in the neighborhood would be like, hey man, common sense, bro. You just killed somebody. You know, and that's that's not okay under any circumstances. That's what this English common law is referring to. This concept of a law common to all came in part from the writings of the Roman lawyer and statesman. Let me repeat that one more time. Roman. So we're going farther into the past, speaking upon Roman uh, from a Roman lawyer. Okay, his name, and I could be butchering it, but it's it's his name is Cicero, or Cicero. Okay, Cicero, or Cicero. How do you want to put it? This is one of his quotes. The brilliant intelligence of a supreme designer with an ongoing interest in both human and cosmic affairs, Cicero's compelling honesty led him to conclude that once the reality of the creator is clearly identified in the mind, the only intelligent approach to a government, justice, and human relations is in terms of the laws which the supreme creator has already established. The creator's order of things is called natural law. Natural law does not mean you live in a house. True law is right reason in agreement with nature. It is of universal application, unchanging and everlasting. It summons to duty by its commands and averts from wrongdoing by its prohibitions. Now, this is coming from his words himself. So, this is a Roman lawyer. It is a sin to try to alter this law, nor is it allowable to repeal any part of it, and it is impossible to abolish it entirely. We cannot be freed from its obligations by Senate or people, and we need to not look outside of ourselves for an expounder or interpreter of it. 
And there will not be different laws at Rome and at Athens, or different laws now and in the future, but one eternal and unchangeable law which or will be valid for all nations and all times. And there will be one master and ruler, that is God, over us all, for he is the author of this law. It's enforcing judge. Whoever is disobedient is fleeing from himself and denying his human nature. And by reason of this very fact, he will suffer the worst punishment. So that is so key. Again, a Roman lawyer, right, from way back in the past is referring to God's law, a natural law. And he's also saying that once uh, that law is broken, whoever is disobedient, he says, uh, is fleeing from himself. Meaning, you know, you are not even human anymore. It's kind of like you're fleeing away from the, the, the sense of humanity. And denying his human nature. Oh my goodness, that's deep. You are denying your human nature if you go and kill somebody. It's, it's natural law. Or if you go and steal from somebody. That's naturally disobedient, right? And you are therefore losing your human nature. Okay, that's what he says. And by this reason of this very fact, he will suffer the worst punishment. Okay, Cicero concluded that man must rid himself of the depravity that came from relying upon himself and should instead return to reliance upon natural law. In effect, Cicero predicted that all law should be measured against God's law. Wow, I'm just going to just lay it down for you guys right here. This guy Cicero is a legend, right? Because he's basically saying that into the future... No man should ever walk away from natural law. This is beautiful into itself because you also, as a man, you cannot decide that Reese's peanut butter cups is the healthiest meal in the world and should be eaten daily. You could be considered clinically insane or just plain idiotic. So what this guy's saying is you would have no place in making constitutional law. You would have no place in it because you are literally disregarding God's natural law. You know, you are trying to make it up yourself. So that's it's kind of looking at our own as human beings, our own imperfections. And so instead it's saying we are ha we have to give it up to a natural law, a ruler over us that is unseen, that is known as God. Okay? The founding fathers of the United States established their new government upon the foundation of natural law, summoning harmony with the laws of nature's God. How sad that our citizenry have forgotten this great truth. This is very key. We have forgotten this truth. What are we talking about on this podcast? Matrix Breakers is about finding the truth. And if I told you that it is true, that there is a natural law in, in, in place, that you can feel metaphysically, spiritually, but you would also feel mentally and critically in terms of your thinking. This truth 
is being scrubbed away. And the thing is, is it has to be removed. This idea of natural law coming from God has to be removed before an, an, a tyrannical rule can move into its place. Okay? So that's why we're talking about freedom today. Now, in conclusion, we're going to talk about this uh, part, Foundations of Freedom Part 2. Referring back to that Roman lawyer, if Cicero provided the foundation that there is a concept of natural law delivered by the hand of a natural law giver, then others expounded upon what rights are inherent under that law. One among these is the Englishman John Locke. Locke wrote, The state of nature has a law of nature to govern it, which teaches all mankind who will but consult it, that being all equal and independent, no one ought to harm another in his life, health, liberty, or possessions. For men, being all the workmanship of one omnipotent and infinitely wise maker, all the servants of one sovereign master, sent into the world by his order and about his business, they are his property. And being furnished with the like faculties, sharing all in one community of nature, there cannot be supposed any such subordination among us that may authorize us to destroy one another. This is coming from the second essay concerning civil government, Great Books of the Western World, Volume 35. Some clear, uh, deep research there. Notice what Locke is saying here. Now, Orrin Woodward lays it out right here in, in a number format. Number one, those of us in nature have been given a set of laws which govern our behavior. Number two, we are all equal and independent under that law. Number three, we are all created by the same all-powerful creator. Number four, we are the servants of the creator. Number five, we are here by the order of the creator. Number six, we are here to do the creator's business. Number seven, we are the property of the creator. Number eight, as such, we are not free to harm each other by the exercise of our own personal freedoms. You're understanding this now. This is great. You have epiphanies. I see it. I, I feel it within you. You are having an epiphany. The, and, and I love it. This is this is why we're talking about this today. And by the way, if you're listening this far into the podcast, you can reach me at matrixbreakers at gmail.com. Hit me up with some other research. You want to, you know, debate about some of this stuff. That's cool. Uh, but, you know, just hit me up with some things, questions, topics, ideas, whatever. You can hit me up about it. That's awesome. And continuing on. To get to the details of the rights that are inherent within the structure of natural law, we look to William Blackstone, who wrote, Those rights, then, which God and nature have established, and are therefore called natural rights, such as our life and liberty, need not the aid of human laws to be more effectually invested in every man than they are. Neither do they receive any additional strength when declared by the municipal laws to be inviolable. inviolable. On the contrary, no human legislator has power to abridge or destroy them unless the owner shall himself commit some act 
that amounts to a forfeiture. That's saying that if somebody were to kill or, you know, break that natural law, right? This is what is meant by our founders when they say unalienable rights. They are given to us directly by our creator and are therefore to be respected, protected, and never tread upon by humans or human governments. They are natural rights. Then, barely a decade before the Declaration of Independence was written, Blackstone penned the following. So we're looking at this guy, William Blackstone, and we are referring to the same writings that our founding fathers used to, to uh, write the Constitution of the United States. And now we're quoting. And these natural rights may be reduced to three principal or primary articles. The right of personal security, the right of personal liberty, and the right of private property. Because as there is no other known method of compulsion or of abridging man's natural free will, but of an infringement or demution of one or other of these important rights, the preservation of these inviolable may justly be said to include the preservation of our civil immunities in their largest and most extensive sense. The So Blackstone summarizes man's natural rights into three main categories. We're going through this number. One, personal security. Two, private property. Three, personal liberty. Anytime a government, individual, or body of any kind infringes upon these three basic God-given rights, according to Blackstone, a violation of God's laws is occurring. It certainly makes one wonder about the current state of affairs in our countries today, where the government, the court system, and other powers that be are allowed under the law to infringe on each of these. One can see a clear progression of thought here, going from Cicero's declaration that there is a natural law provided by a natural law giver and Locke's statement that we have rights that are inherent under the law and Blackstone delineation of what those specific rights are, we can see the philosophical thread congruent with a scriptural worldview that took shape to form the basis of America's founding in freedom. And why is America so freaking badass? Because we're the longest living culture that has established a government ever. Okay? So that's what's key. Now, I will conclude finally with the final thing called the symbols of the oppression of liberty. This right here is matrix breaking. Okay? The reason I say that is because once you understand this, then you understand why I'm even making this podcast, all right? We're going to go into some history, and it's going to be really awesome. For those of you who don't know history, um, you're going to learn something. And if you are into history and you like it, then you'll love this uh, connection. Power and the rule of law had been centralized in Rome with local vassal kings and imperial governors selected by the emperor. Once Roman power had been transplanted eastward to Constantinople and the remaining authority in, in Rome disintegrated, the landscape was open to ambitious princes and dukes. From time to time, would-be Caesars 
attempted to knit the ancient empire back together in all of its glory, but none of these efforts ever had the scale or durability of what had been done before. Eventually, it became obvious that might ruled the day and slaughter and conquest was the secret to advancement. As hundreds of princes scattered across Europe made claims to noble bloodlines, they constructed castles on every possible hilltop and cliff to project their hegemony. With banditry and violence everywhere, peasants needed protection and were herded into villages within retreatable distance to the local castle, where once a people had been, at least to some degree, free, now they were transformed into what we call serfs, in one of the largest protection rackets the world has ever seen. In parentheses, the mafia has nothing on these guys. The castle then became the symbol of the oppression of ancient liberties. The peasantry was not ignorant to what was happening. They came to resent the Castilians' grasping of power at their own expense, there were some notable revolts, such as the attacks on the, on the Harzburg Castle in Saxony, but there was little the poorly armed, unorganized peasantry could do. If there had ever been a time when the common European could have prevented the putting over of himself of a Castilian lord, that time had passed before anyone was aware of it. In the final analysis, the last remnants of freedom for the peasants had disappeared with the rule of Roman law. So a lot of key things to unpack here. The Roman Empire had fallen. You had different princes moving into different directions, you know, again, creating those, those borderlines, you know, that we know of today as Spain and Germany uh, and Turkey and Russia uh, and England, right? And so what's going on there is you've got people that are scattering everywhere and they're building castles and they're, instead of um, creating law or anything, what they did was create a, a, a serfdom where the majority of peasants who, you know, they had no means of fighting or, or, you know, being in wars or anything, they would basically give up in many cases, half of their crops, half of their work, whatever it was that they did to the King. It was like a tax, right? So half of what you actually earned was given to the King. Why? The King and the Knights defended your freedoms. They defended your right to live. Because if the, if the castle was en ever under attack, then what happens is the people, the peasants, who didn't live in the castle, by the way, they would rush into the castle for protection. And so then the, you know, a battle would ensue and then they would, you know, the knights would, you know, fight and fight and fight. And then, of course, if the castle was taken over, then those peasants didn't really, they were either slaughtered or put into sex slavery, depending on, you know, what uh, group had uh, taken them over. But then they would end up being peasants once again, no matter what. It was a cycle. And so what he's saying here is that they had a, they had a, a control uh, of, per, it's a racket, you know, it's a protection racket, right? And so he says the mafia has nothing on these guys. And also the book is talking about how um, they were trying to revolt in many cases. Hey, we don't like this. We're going to revolt. But you just couldn't do anything about it. It was really sad because, you know, you didn't, you weren't armed. These people were not fighting, you know, and then of course you got the knights, plenty of army around them so they could defend the, the king and they could defend the castle. So really, um, 
this is you know this is dark ages stuff you guys this is ridiculous but again this is what socialism and communism is trying to bring back and, and i'm not saying that like i'm just shooting from the hip there i'm really mean that giving up half of what you of what you earn in order for the government to protect you and to provide for you like it just doesn't make any sense um and so we're going to unpack that some other day so moving forward um into this i don't want to refer to everything and i know we're running out of time here but the thing is it's just so important uh and, and it's just it's unbelievable um with that being said give me a second okay all right the average american is uninformed about the erosion of his freedoms and has at his disposal little chance to make a difference in a two-party political system that offers very little difference in terms of actual governance, if not the rhetoric, to the voter, in a government controlled by special interest lobbies, what can the common citizen, concerned as they may be about his future and that of his children, actually do? This is the question, more than any other, that I am asked the most frequently. This is I'm reading the book here. For starters... We can become educated ourselves about what kind of government we are supposed to have key and what we actually are experiencing now. What's the difference? You see, people who study history, we do know the difference. Next, we can share this information with others, disseminating materials, websites, video clips, and in short, the truth to everyone we can. There's a key word, the truth. Thirdly, get active in the political process. Vote. Write your representatives. Join organizations that believe in what you believe. There is a lot we can do. We don't have to be serfs watching the construction of a castle with fear and trembling. These are not the dark ages. Nor, while we have anything to say about it, will it be said of our future either. And so with that, I wanted to really conclude this podcast, this episode of Freedom. You know, we are here fighting the good fight and we want everyone to have freedom. We want everyone to know the truth. And a lot of people, there's a saying, of course, it goes, if you, uh, history, if you study it, it tends to repeat itself. And so if you look into history of, of our country and the foundation of it, and you read the constitution and you, you read some of these speeches by some of those prominent Americans who spoke about freedom and individual liberties, like even like, uh, later on, like Martin Luther King and Theodore Roosevelt. I mean, these people are incredible and the, the, the things they spoke about were so amazing that how could we forget? We have to acknowledge our history. We have to know our past so that we are able to uh, um, arm ourselves with the truth. And that was something that I established in the beginning of this podcast. Now, um, I said also that I would absolutely love to comment on the number one podcast of as of yesterday uh, being this Joe Rogan and Alex Jones interview or how you want to call it. It was just a big you know mess of things. And uh, I want to just make a statement here, okay? When it comes to people like Alex Jones, and uh, of course, Joe Rogan is great. He brings on a lot of great people. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you 
don't know a lot about somebody like Alex Jones, you know, and I listen to everything uh, out there. You know, I'll, I'll hear people say all kinds of different things. And you know what? Some of the stuff comes up true uh, based on other research I'll do and other reports I'll get and other books I'll read. A lot of these things tend to repeat themselves. A lot of these things are really just all around us. And so we can't really deny the fact that, you know, we've got a lot of this that is real. And so when it comes to this, I have a statement really about it is just, you know, Alex Jones, he's got a show Monday through Friday um, for 20 plus years. You know, so when people that don't really know who he is or they'll listen to something uh, online or they'll watch some mainstream media clip of him, at the end of the day, they're only talking about maybe one or two or three things that he has said or done in his past, you know, that, uh, you know, taken out of context or, you know, making mistakes. And I want you to just imagine yourself in high school, how many mistakes you made and imagine if those became public. And let's say you're well into your 20s now or your 30s. My goodness, I mean, imagine somebody just harping and harping and harping on something that you did so many years ago. That would be obnoxious. And so a lot of the media does exactly that with somebody like Alex Jones. So Monday through Friday for 20 years and his show is about three hours long. Monday through Friday, guys, do you understand how much content that actually is? And so whenever the mainstream, or you see anybody really, anybody who criticizes him and they say something like, let's say Sandy Hook or uh, some other conspiracy thing, you know, it's like, dude, this guy has a show that's Monday through Friday for 20 years for three hours long. I mean, you think that's all he talks about? Like, this dude covers a bunch of different topics. And so, you know, I'll refer to him or I'll refer to a person like Matt Bracken or Joel Skousen, as I told you earlier in the book when I was reading, um, or, or these books or, you know, I'll refer to anybody, man, if anybody's telling the truth. And so really at the end of the day, um, those people who are uninformed, you know, you know, you got to break the matrix, man. You, you can't be listening to things on the matrix and, and consider that as true. It's, it's a lot of it is, um, you know, it, it's not about fake news really. Cause a lot of stuff is actually uh, set up and just misinterpreted. What fake news really is, is just, you know, it's just this idea that, um, it's what the mainstream media doesn't cover. Let me encourage you to do something if you're listening right now. And let's say you didn't even believe a word I said earlier. I want you to start looking into geopolitical things. I want you to start getting news sources from all over the world. I want you to actually look into um, different news organizations that are established in different countries. When you read the news in out, out of Africa, like South Africa or uh, Iran, um, or you, you're, you're tuned in to things that are going on in Israel and Pakistan and, and Palestine, and you're tuned in to what's going on in Angola and Nigeria, go listen to some of those news clips or go find out what's going on there and you won't feel so shitty about America. You know, because a lot of things are going on around the world are freaking nuts. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the rise of power of tyrannical control. 
you know, go study Venezuela, you know, really study it. Don't listen to just some conservative or some idiot socialist about this kind of stuff. You need to actually go and do your own research. Read about how this guy got power, uh, Maduro, and how he took the guns and, um, and the gun confiscation program. And then, you know, four years later, uh, uh, they took food and, and, and it's just, it's unbelievable what you'll find out. So I'm actually going to make another, uh, probably a whole different podcast on this. Cause I think it's so funny and great, uh, but I appreciate you guys listening. And if you listen to this far and you listen to this whole podcast, I'm freaking blown away, man. I mean, you listen to me for a freaking hour. Uh, and all I got to say is just, you know, rate this podcast, give it a review and share it with family and friends because we're all here to be matrix breakers. Whether you like it or not, man, we are here to be matrix breakers. And that's what we all deserve to be. We all deserve to know the truth. And so I really appreciate you tuning in and I'm going to post this for those of you here on Facebook, whatever have you, uh, I'll be posting this on my podcast very soon. If you're listening here to my podcast, hey, you know what? You can support me as well. Um, you know, I have an online store that I offer wellness products ranging from nutrition to CBD and literally anything that gets you better, helps you feel better, it helps you sleep better, helps you live better. Um, you know, I've got your back. And so that's one way you can support the podcast. And I'll be start. I'll have more plugs and I'll have more things that I offer online and the things, uh, the products I work with. Uh, I'll do more of that uh, coming up very soon as well. So I appreciate you tuning in. You guys are awesome. You know, have a blessed rest of your day uh, and then going forward, tune in to the next podcast.